Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For our Lenten midweek services this year, we are talking about Psalms of the Passion. So each week we'll emphasize another psalm uh, that, that points us to our need for our Savior or points us to what that Savior would do to win for us redemption, to win for us forgiveness. Uh, so the psalm that we're focusing on tonight is a psalm of David, Psalm 51. We'll read verses 1 through 9. Be gracious to me, God, according to your mercy. Erase my acts of rebellion according to the greatness of your compassion. Scrub me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I admit my rebellious acts. My sin is always in front of me. Against you, you only have I sinned. And I have done this evil in your eyes. So you are justified when you sentence me. You are blameless when you judge. Certainly I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Since you desire truth on the inside, in my hidden heart you teach me wisdom. Remove my sin with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed celebrate. Hide your face from my sins. Erase all my guilty deeds. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. In my former congregation, our church was connected to a, a school, a preschool through eighth grade. Uh, and one of my favorite parts of the ministry there was talking to the teachers about the things that students would say during religion class. Uh, and it seemed like the, the best stories always came out of second grade. So one day I was sitting in my office and the second grade teacher came in. She said, I have to tell you what happened today in religion. I, we were talking about uh, heaven. Uh, so the teacher was telling them what God's word says about the, the glories that we will receive in heaven, about the, the promise that it's through faith in Jesus that we, that we get to go to heaven, uh, talking about the, the glories there. And uh, the student raised their hand and they said, but teacher, it's, it's not fair. You're going to be there way sooner than any of us will be. And of course, it made us laugh, and it still makes me laugh when I think about it. But uh, even more than that, it made me uh, think about how comfortable we are as Lutherans to talk about death. Uh, usually, death is something that, uh, that people don't want to think about. They want to put it out of their minds. They want to ignore the topic. They want to pretend like it'll never happen to them. Uh, but as Lutherans, we talk about death pretty freely. We talk about it often. Uh, and in fact, that's the theme of Ash Wednesday. The theme of, of Ash Wednesday is, is remember you will die. Remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. And it sounds morbid, but remembering our death, living with our death in mind, refocuses how we live our life. If I live remembering that, that death is inescapable, remembering every single day that my life will come to an end, that it reminds me that I'm not living for only here and now. I'm not living for only today. I'm living for eternity. If death is inescapable, that means that, that one day what also is inescapable is that I will stand before my righteous God who knows everything. Every single thought that's gone through my head, every single action that I've done, even when no one else is around. And so remembering my death makes me remember drives me to the law of God. It reminds me that I can't judge my, myself. I can't judge my actions and my thoughts based on what I want to do, on what the world says is good and right. I have to judge myself based on what God's perfect law declares. 
I have to know if, if how I'm living lines up with how God tells me to live. His standards, not my own. When we do this, when we compare our life to God's law, it, it shows us our sin. We see our faults, we see our failures, and that's, that's a good thing. That's the purpose of the law, right? Because as it drives us to the law, as we, we see our sin, then it, then it drives us to repentance, to confession, to contrition. And those are the things that we're talking about tonight. We're using these words that, that David wrote uh, as, a, as, a, as a framework for how we frame our confession, as an example for how we, we repent to our God. Uh, these words by David, they were written after he was uh, brought the, the word of God, the law of God, by the prophet Nathan. I remember we talked about this on Sunday just a few weeks ago, uh, the sin of David, uh, that he was guilty of many sins, many great sins. Uh, he committed uh, the sin of, of, of lust. He committed the sin of, of coveting another man's wife. Then he committed the sin of adultery. And then to cover up those sins, he ordered that, that woman's husband, Uriah, to be killed uh, on, on the battlefield. And so in, in all of these ways, David sinned. And then Nathan brings to him his sin, and, and David, recognizing that, turns to God in repentance and writes the words of this psalm. So the first thing David does is he turns to God. Now turning to God, it sounds simple. That's, that's the essence of repentance, to turn away from sin and to turn towards your God in faith. Now he does this, he does this in the very first verse. He says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your mercy. Erase my acts of rebellion according to the greatness of your compassion. Uh, the miracle, the mystery, the, the, the glorious thing about this, when we turn away from our sin and to our God in faith, what we find there is not condemnation and punishment. What we find in God is mercy and, and grace and, and love. And notice there's three times here that, that, that David appeals to that nature of God. He says, be gracious according to your mercy, according to the greatness of of your compassion. In faith, David is, is holding on to who God reveals himself to be, and that's repentance. We turn to God and we say, Lord, in faith, I know who you are. I know who you've told me that you are. God says that the Lord your God is a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So David begins this act of repentance, this act of confession, by, by holding on to the promise, the mystery of his redemption. What's so wonderful for us is that we know more about this mystery of our redemption because we know Jesus, but we hold on to it the same way that, that David did. We hold on to it through the gift of faith. So after turning to God, David prays to be cleansed. He says, scrub me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. And then in verse 7, remove my sin with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. God is the only one who has a solution to the, the problem of sin that the law exposes. And, and it's always been this way. God has always taught us this from the beginning. Uh, hyssop, it's interesting that David emphasizes that. Uh, it's with hyssop that, that was used in many purification rites in the Old Testament. But most not notably, it uh, was used in, in the Passover. Uh, so God came to his people, Israel, in, enslaved in Egypt, and he said, go and, and, and sacrifice a lamb without spot or blemish. And take this plant, a, a stalk of hyssop, dip it in the blood of that lamb, and use it like a paintbrush on the doorposts of your home. He says, this is what will mark that you are my people. And so when the angel of death passes over all of Egypt, he will pass over your homes. You will escape the wrath, the anger, the punishment of God. 
What a cool picture this is for us tonight as New Testament Christians who, who understand the picture that God was painting with this, this Passover. Who understand the fulfillment of, of this picture of that lamb without spot or blemish. That that, that was a picture for us of, of Jesus. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We know what it means that Jesus was without spot or blemish. That he never sinned. That every single day he perfectly fulfilled the law of God and that he did it for us. And he takes that innocence and he goes to the cross to, to sacrifice himself to shed that holy blood. The blood through which we are cleansed. The blood through which our, our sins, which are like scarlet, are made whiter than snow. As Christians, that's, that's what we hold on to. David was looking ahead to the promise that was to come. We know how that promise was fulfilled. And so we turn to Jesus in faith. We say, Jesus, you're the only one who has overcome sin. You're the only one who was not a slave to sin. You're the only one who has defeated it. So we know that you are the only one who can remove it from us. According to your mercy, Forgive me. Make me clean. David turns to God in repentance and faith. He prays for cleansing. And then he admits in a, in a very poetic, beautiful, and yet heartbreaking way that he knows where the guilt lies in this situation. Right? He understands the seriousness of his actions. He understands that he is the one at fault. And he admits that this entire time between the sin and when the prophet came to him with God's law, that, that his conscience was bugging him. His conscience would not let him forget this. For I admit my rebellious acts, my sin is always in front of me. He admits that, that he's the one at fault. It's not God's fault that he sinned. It's, it's his own fault. He says, I have failed, not, not you. And he says that I have failed not just by my actions, but by who I am. And, and this is true for us too. Sin is not just what we do. It's part of our nature part of who we are from the time our mothers conceive us. He says, you are righteous, you are just, you are fair, but I have sinned. I have fallen short of what you have told me to do. I have let you down, and I deserve your punishment. Even though, Lord, you have made me wise, even though you have taught me your word, even though you have given me your law, I still have failed you. Against you, you only have I sinned. And I have done this evil in your eyes. So you are justified when you sentence me. You are blameless when you judge. Certainly I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Since you desire truth on the inside and my hidden heart, you teach me wisdom. That's the, the effect. That is the purpose of why God gives us the law. To show us our sin. And after the law has done its work, after the law of our God has, has, has crushed us, after it has removed from us our reliance on ourselves, after it has emptied us of our self-righteousness, of our attempts, our fruitless attempts to work off our own sin, after it has laid before us all of the reasons why we deserve death and punishment, then and only then are we ready to hear the gospel. Only once we really truly understand the bad news are we ready to hear the, the, the good news. As we talk about repentance tonight, I want you to think about repentance in two parts. The first is this confession. The first part is laying out your sin, admitting your guilt, admitting that, that, that you are the one at fault, that we have fallen short, and that we don't deserve God's love and grace and mercy. But the second part is to hold fast to the good news, the promises of God through the gift of faith. The second part of repentance is to hear the gospel the good news of God through Jesus. 
That's what David is crying out for. That's what he's praying for. He's saying, Lord, tell me the good news. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed celebrate. Hide your face from my sins. Erase all my guilty deeds. God doesn't just leave us with the law. He doesn't just tell us that, that, that he has these super high uh, demands for us, these high expectations for us that are impossible to fulfill, and then tell us that we have failed and then leave it at that. He gives us the good news too. After the law comes the promise that in every way that we have failed, God's own son, our Savior Jesus, has succeeded. And he has done so in our place. Then comes the promise that through faith we are made one with Christ. Through this gift of faith that, that is given to us by our God, the, the righteousness that Jesus won, we wear that righteousness as our own. Then comes the good news that in him our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That in the eyes of God, everything that we have done wrong, every guilty deed is erased. That not one of our sins is seen by our God. Because he has already judged us. He has already justified us. He has already declared us not guilty. He has declared you innocent. He has declared you holy because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Remember you are dust. Remember the law. Remember that you will die. And remember that at your death, the only thing in the world that can comfort you is this. This is why I think we as, as Lutherans who stand on God's word alone, who, who have been given this awesome gift of faith, who have been kept true in his word by, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, are so comfortable in talking about death. Because there's no, there's no fear there. There's no question mark. There's no, there's no wondering. Everything because of Jesus is so sure and certain. When we close our eyes in death, it's not money, it's not a, a title, it's not, it's not our, our reputation, it's not the memories that we hold in our hearts. You are dust, and as you close your eyes in death, the only thing that we stand on is Jesus. The confidence that we have in him. Through the guarantees of our God, guarantees that are so, so sure and certain that he wrote them down in his word, that, that will not fade away, his word that, that does not change. We have this solid foundation to stand on. And until that day, until we close our eyes in death, we live each and every day in repentant joy. I want you to think about that phrase. It's, a, it's an oxymoron of the faith that we live in repentant joy. So we live each and every day as broken and contrite believers. Right? Knowing exactly how we have failed, knowing exactly how far uh, we have fallen short of what God demands of us, knowing exactly full well that we deserve from God death, we deserve eternal punishment from Him. So we live in that repentance, but we also live in joy, knowing full well through Jesus what exactly we will receive. So throughout this Lenten season, let God's Word remind you to live in this way, in repentant joy, remembering full well that indeed you will die. But through faith in Jesus Christ, because of his victory over sin, death, and the devil, you too will also live. Not just for here and now, but you will live forever as an heir of the glory of Christ and the room that Jesus has already prepared for you in paradise. Remember that when you close your eyes in death, you will open them in the paradise of heaven. Amen.
Please rise for the blessing. The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.